So I went to the river of life and I'm like, oh my God, everything was alive. It was earth and heaven, but everything was dancing. It had a color, it had a song, it was singing. And I saw the souls who were floating down the river of life and they were all music. And I was in total awe and amazement of what was happening before my eyes and I put my hand in it and I became one with it. And I was like, what? This is amazing. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Welcome to Spirit Sisters. I'm Karina Machado and I'm so happy that you've joined me today. Before we launch into today's episode, which I'm so excited to share, just a quick reminder that if you love Spirit Sisters, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and write a review on your podcast app. Tell a friend as well. I've learned that this is really the only way that the show can grow and the only way others will find their way to it. And for so many listeners who contact me, it is exactly what they needed. So thank you so much for helping me grow the show. Also, Don't forget that Spirit Sisters, the book that launched me on this path back in 2009, has been re-released in a 10th anniversary edition with a gorgeous new cover and a new preface by me. It's available in Australian bookstores as well as as an e-book and audiobook internationally. Now, settle in to hear one of the most intriguing near-death experience stories you've ever heard. My guest today is Susan Redwine, who lives in Franklin, North Carolina. I first came across Susan on a Facebook page about near-death experiences. To me, her posts seemed infused with something otherworldly, and I later found out that indeed mystical poetry was one of the gifts that she came back with. You'll hear us talk about this, but since Susan didn't have a poem on hand at the time, she gave me permission to read one out in the introduction. Here's an excerpt of a poem that Susan recently shared to give you an idea of the mystical nature of her words. During my NDE, I visited and became one with the music of the spheres. It was an orchestra of unconditional love. Every being, planet and galaxy's essence and being united, in tune and in harmony with each other and the universal love vibrations and frequencies. I saw that all of us are a unique note, frequency and vibration and that each of us is also a unique colour, tone and musical note. It is our energy signature and is unique to each person, planet, galaxy, being and soul. The music that was reverberating throughout my entire energy field was stunning, awesome and holy. 
It sounded like angels singing unconditional love throughout the entire universe. Because it was. When united, combined, connected in harmony and in tune, we become the music of the spheres. One orchestra, one song, one song of divinity that sings and radiates amazing colours and unconditional love throughout the universal consciousness. Universe means one song. That's Susan's poem, one of them. There are many others, and she's writing a book as well. So there's so much that you're going to hear and that we're going to talk about. In our conversation, you'll also hear her marvel about the music of the spheres, which was just one aspect of her multi-layered and hauntingly beautiful near-death experience, which came at a time in her life when she was at her absolute lowest. There is so much here that it struck me later that I could have spent hours speaking to Susan and mining her wisdom. I'm thinking of actually going back to her with follow-up questions and sharing her answers in a future episode. So if questions arise as you're listening, please make a note of them and then send them to me. You can contact me through my website, karinamachado.com, or through my Facebook page, Karina Machado Author. It's the same handle on Instagram too. I'm going to let Susan tell her own story now. Please know that the following interview contains references to suicide and sexual abuse. If you need support please contact Lifeline in Australia on 13 11 14 or visit lifeline.org.au. Enjoy my conversation with the fascinating, wise and effervescent Susan Redwine. Welcome to Spirit Sisters, Susan. Thank you. I'm so thrilled that you can be with us today. Now, I know Me that... Me too. Is, thank you. Thank you so much. I know that this is only your second kind of formal interview and right. you experienced your uh, near-death experience in the late 1980s and really you've only begun to speak of it a couple of years ago. So I'm very honoured that um, you're on the show with us today and I wonder if you can please begin by telling us a little bit about who you are and your life. Well, previous to right now, I was a remote chef and I have worked at remote lodges, fly fishing lodges, and also um, at sea for four years. Um, I, was a, I was a chef on research vessels. Presently, I'm writing um, my book about my experience and um, also helping others with their higher self guidance because this is one of the abilities that came back with me that took many years to develop um, since my MBE. Okay, higher self-guidance. We can talk more about your current work, I guess, towards the yes. end of our conversation once you explain the experience. Yeah, everything will fall into place. So Great. So before we actually go into the experience itself, I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing, please, Susan, a little bit about your childhood, the circumstances of your childhood, because as will become clear when we hear your experience, you were shown as part of your NDE the part that you played in choosing the life that you were born into and the family you were born into. So I'd just love to give the listeners some context as to why that's so relevant. Um, it's not only relevant to that, but it's relevant to a lot of people right now that um, are my age younger and older who have, you know, experienced life on earth um, in very difficult and challenging environments when they were born. So, uh, you know, as a child, um, I kept looking for love everywhere. 
I didn't understand why it wasn't around me. And my family was very chaotic and um, they fought about everything. It was a war zone, actually, to tell you the truth. And there were no boundaries with, um, you know, as children, we lived in fear, you know, and <clears throat> I had to sense danger at a very young age because um, all of the emotions that I was growing up with were very volatile. And um, so I experienced sexual, um, emotional, uh, physical, you name it, abuse, which I'm not alone in because we came here, you know, to experience the things that we needed to experience to help others later in our adulthood, <clears throat> should we make it through? Because some don't, you know, some don't make it through. And um, at a certain point, I was one of them. Okay, I guess we, we, we can go into that. But do you mean your decision later in life to try and exit this life? Correct. So, you know, I was uh, in a very religious Catholic family. And, you know, I was uh, always adhering to the Catholic rules. However, what was being taught in the Bible was not what I was experiencing. So I was, I, you know, as a young child, I knew it wasn't right. I, I just knew inherently that this isn't true. And why are you doing this? And then you're doing this to me. That doesn't mix. You know, so I shoved everything down. I suppressed all these events that were happening or shattering me at different ages. You know, I walked into my bedroom at different points in my life and closed the door and said, I can't remember this tomorrow. I need to get up and be able to keep going. So I would shut the door on the memory, um, which is suppressing. And, um, <clears throat> and then I didn't revisit it because I couldn't. I had to keep going. So I go into my adult life, and I must say I got out of this situation, my family, as fast as I could because it was so I just couldn't wait till the day I graduated and had some place to go, you know, to get out of it. And I I did and I go into adulthood and I'm suppressing all of this. And I have children and I have, you know, a very challenging life of surviving. You know, just being a person on this earth making an income and supporting my children. I had a divorce too, actually, and I was a single mother and raising my children. I was working 60 hours a week as a restaurant manager and um, just keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And I hit a wall in my 30s to where nothing meant anything anymore. All I was doing was surviving. My parents at that point had um, done some other things, you know, in my adulthood that I just said, I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't be around poison and negativity. You know, my soul is crying out for love, you know, which I never received. So I went into a dark night of the soul for about two and a half years. And I kept working and every day I would get up less and less alive and wondering how can I get through this? You know, what is the answer? 
because I need to know what the answer is so that I can keep going. And the anger started coming up. Um, the pain started showing itself as anger from what happened to me that I never faced. And I just, my soul kept being depleted and I was in a fight of not remembering because I knew if I did remember, it would shatter me. I would die anyways, knowing anything that I had suppressed. So I fought it and fought it. And as I went into, uh, you know, the two and a half year mark, I gave up. I quit completely because I didn't have anything left to give. And I felt that I was not fulfilling my purpose of being a good mother, of um, being there for them. And I couldn't. I was going in so many different directions just trying to live. So I took my children um, on a vacation in Franklin, North Carolina, where I am now. And it was the, my last vacation. I had made a choice to quit. And the second that I made the choice, um, peace finally came into my life again. And I was like, oh my God, that's the answer I've been avoiding. I need to go. I can't, I can't be there for them. I can't be a monster, you know, and I need peace for me, you know. So I took them on their last vacation and I was writing my last love letters to each of them, telling them I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for not being this person that I can't be. And um, I'm sorry. Um, as I was writing the letter, my whole self surrendered my will. And my body hit the floor. And my spirit left my body. And I went up into the void and I was like, Oh my God, what's happening to me? What's happening? Because I was just riding and I could see my body and I'm up here in awe and wonder and peace, just total peace. That the fear was gone, everything was gone out of my body. And I was like, oh my God, I I finally feel peace and understanding. It was so breathtakingly beautiful. I didn't feel fear anymore. I didn't feel any need to do anything for anyone. And I paused in the void. And I, I heard, I was about to ask, is everyone gonna be okay? And the thought, came to me but before it was even finished I heard a resounding voice that said everything is as it should be and I was like oh my god it is and what happened was those words and the vibration that was everywhere as far as I knew there um, where I was, it was throughout the universe, and I was like, these are directions, and it unlocked a key within me, and as soon as it unlocked the key of remembrance and knowing within me, 
I knew that I was going home and I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And I didn't even know where home was, you know, but I knew that I was going there and um, that something was happening that was out of this world. And I just needed to go. So my body shot off and actually it didn't go anywhere because the universe is all around us, but it felt like it did. You know, the feelings were so amazing and joyous and unbelievable. I was shooting past stars and galaxies, and I was like, I'm being shown this for a reason. I knew it. And I, I was being pulled with my erythrial cord, even though it felt like I was being pulled so f the f velocity was amazing through all of this. I was in wonderment and excitement and every other feeling that a human could ever have, you know, watching all of this, ama this amazing show. And as I'm arriving home, I was greeted by St. Barnabas, and I didn't know that it was St. Barnabas at the time. Um, I just, he was hiding his light from me, and um, so that I wouldn't be interested in him, and I was, so that I would keep my focus on the experience, but I looked at his robe, and it was um, a purple gauze tunic. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so great that it's tunic here in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> it amazed me. I'm like, is this real? <laughs> but but I if I can just interrupt you for one moment, for anybody who's not familiar, and I, I'm not, with um, St. Barnabas, who is that? And why was, do you think that was somebody who was important to you? Or what are your thoughts? Um, Okay, and I'll tell you this, a lot of our memories, you know, they come back in pieces and flashes, and all of a sudden you'll open a book one day and there's St. Barnabas in a purple, you know, that's how the universe works for me. And I saw a photo of St. Barnabas later on, and then also when I read The Afterlife of Billy Fingers, he mentioned that he was greeted by St. Barnabas. And I was like, oh my God, him too. So it was validation for me. And St. Barnabas is a very little unknown saint. Uh, I'll tell you my intuitive experiences because he works through me. Yeah. Um, he helps me write. Um, he wrote down Jesus's personal scriptures in a cave life, you know, um, atmosphere. I can see it you know, under candlelight, he was a scribe. But you know, this sounds very holy, but that was very normal back then. You know what I'm saying? That was the times and that is what was happening. And, and you know, it became doing things such as writing Jesus's thoughts as his friend became holy, you know, on earth. Do you see what I mean? I do. So, so he, he was basically saint. a journalist or the equivalent of a journalist. It didn't seem holy to him at the time. No, he was an interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, let's bring this back down yeah. to what everyone's turned it into me, you know, but it was still important because they had that connection, you know, the importance of it all. And, and I can see through his eyes. Anyways, now, not then. And uh, so he led me into a cave 
and um, my spirit body we have spirit bodies a lot of people think we turn into ashes or dust we don't we <laughs> have bodies and i was even amazed i was like wow and it was a light body you know i had a light body um that was malleable and they placed me on a table and um there were 12 beings around me and they were also their light was hidden and um they have come to me since in other forms but it was my soul group but i didn't know it at the time and that's why they were hiding so i wouldn't start asking questions <laughs> who are you <laughs> Yeah, they didn't want you to be distracted in that moment. Okay. No, because yeah. this is all happening very fast, even though I'm telling it in slow motion. Uh, there is no time in spirit, and it's happening now. You know, everything happens in the moment of now. And as I was being laid on the table, they surrounded me, and I'm just watching in total awe and amazement. You know, personally, Susan is going, wow, what's going on, you know? And they started shooting i'll say it's like creaky shooting their love from their hands over my body into me and they were re-energizing the energizer bunny <laughs> she was gone <laughs> she was she was kaput they were uh, you know and they knew it you know, they were like, they were waiting for me. A lot of people say I wasn't expected. I was expected. So that's important for people to know. Everyone has a different experience, but I was expected. And it was also part of my life plan, which I learned later on. Let's reiterate that right now, that this all happened. So as they're re-energizing me, I'm feeling, you know, my love fill up. And I thought I heard water. And I was like, is that water? Boom. A part of me traveled to the, the river of life. And I was like, oh, my God. And I'm still seeing myself on the table. Wow, I can do this? Yes, because you can go anywhere you want. But I'm still getting reacclimated to what's happening because it's thought. You have a thought and it happens or where you should go. You allow the universe to take you. So I went to the river of life and I'm like, oh my God, everything was alive. It was earth in heaven, but everything was dancing. It had a color. It had a song. It was singing. And I saw the souls who were floating down the river of life and they were all music. And I was in total awe and amazement of what was happening before my eyes and i put my hand in it and i became one with it and i was like what this is amazing so here i'm in the river of life i'm at the shore i'm down on you know the table and i'm going this sounds like angels singing and as soon as i before i even had that thought finished boom i'm with angels and they're singing love unto the world. And I'm like, oh my God, why, why do I get to see this? You know, why, why do I get to see this amazing beauty? It was so beautiful and I'm so amazed and I'm still doing these other things too. 
so I'm with the angels singing and I said, are those planets singing? And boom, I go to the music of the spheres and I'm one with it and I'm watching everything alive in unity and harmony and unconditional love. And I was like, oh my God, we're all singing. We are all singing love into the universe and to the planets, to earth. We are. Not just me, all of us. And I was so amazed by what was happening. I, I, I had, there was no words. There's no human words because it's a feeling of, of going home and being home. You know, home where I call it. I've asked my angel since, where did I really go? I know people call that heaven, and I know they call it paradise because it is, you know, those, but those are descriptive. And um, they said to me, it's the vibration of creation. So I was watching creation in process. I'm like, oh my God, this is beyond words. And who could ever even try to translate that, you know, into human words because it's, magnificence it's cosmic you are so in love that you don't ever want to go anywhere else do you know what i mean it was beyond my words so as i'm watching all of this and being in all these places at the same time i see my body fill up completely with love from my soul group and all of a sudden boom i connected with my higher self-awareness and all of my memories started pouring in to my being and I started seeing all of my lives I saw anyone I ever met and it was so very fast that it was like mind-blowing because it was all happening at the same time and I'm watching all of my lives and I can only see I'm reviewing my lives I'm seeing everything I ever was and everything I ever did. And I was like, what have I been afraid of? What have I been afraid of? What can I tell? I can't wait to tell everyone. Don't be afraid. You're so much more powerful than you even realize what you can do with your divine light when you come to earth. You know, because I'm witnessing it. There wasn't any human emotions. We only see each other as divine souls. It's the way it is. It's the way it always was. And I was like, oh my God, I, I can't wait to tell everyone, you know, and share with them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of this place because wait till you go home. It's all waiting for you. So as I'm reviewing my lives and watching all of this, I'm in total amazement all of a sudden I was pushed out from my higher self and I went back up with the angels and the all of me's that were separated my facets during this experience started reintegrating into me and I felt them all come back and I was with the angels and they said please tell everyone Thank you for your courage and your bravery for coming to earth during this amazing time in mankind's change in humanity. Thank you. 
Remember your greatness at all times. Love is the answer. Always and always. Remember love. And then I went shooting back into my body faster than I, you know, left. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God. And I'm laying on the floor. What just happened to me? What just happened to me? Because I'm reverberating with love and, uh, you know, thankfully my children and everyone was still asleep. And I picked myself up and um, I made it to the couch and I laid down. And the first thing I thought, <laughs> which was totally ridiculous at the time, <laughs> was I'm going to save this planet. <laughs> I'm going to save the planet. I'm going to save it. We tell everybody fun time. And then I passed out. <laughs> oh. And I know it's totally ridiculous, but that's, I had remembered. You know, so you have to give me a little bit of room. <laughs> She's the one. <laughs> I can't imagine how you began to process and integrate this astonishing experience. And I'd love to know once you collected yourself so you fell asleep on the couch you passed out as you described it i did i passed right out it was too much it was all too much it oh. was it was mind-blowing it was ah you know i just knew too much then you mm. know mm. you know and i ha i have to tell you that one of the greatest powers that humans have because we were given it uh, before we came is forgetting Okay, so we have the ability to forget, and that's what saved me growing up, was the ability to forget. Yes. Um, and every day we have to remind ourselves on this planet who we are and what we're doing. We have to keep reminding ourselves every day, you know, remember, remember, remember. Yes, and every time what happened for three days after, which is really important, for three days after even then when I passed out, uh, I shot right back and I started being given instructions that I was not allowed to remember, but I could see myself going. And every time, and I, and, and you know, even on the third day, I was like, Oh wow, is this going to keep happening every time I go to sleep? Cause I would go see the stars in the galaxies again and then boom, I wouldn't remember what happened. So they were giving you instructions over these three subsequent days, but the instructions themselves didn't come back to you until much later. Is that right? As I grew, as the Susan part of me grew. So let, let me put um, uh, right here at this point, not all of me came back. Only a facet of me came back. Just like the facets of me were exploring the universe while I was up there. Um, so only a facet and a part of my energy uh, came back because my whole energy would not be able to fit in this body. It would blow it up. And not only that, right now I'm having other experiences. The higher me is having other experiences that Susan is able to draw from because I'm open. I've been blown open to, you know, seeing me. So, um, only a facet came back that had to reintegrate this experience because the Susan part, you know, she needed to heal. She needed to change. 
you know, she, and that took many years, you know, it wasn't overnight and it was a process, you know, but I had to, you know, before I left, I was very, um, a doormat. <laughs> Let me do that for you. <laughs> I hear you. And I was taking care of everyone except myself. <laughs> As many so many people do. will be able to relate to that. I know I certainly can, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> so we give pieces of ourselves away and we don't know the effect of that until it's too much. And that's what happened to me. It was all too much, you know, and I had to heal, you know, from what had happened to me as a child before I could move forward. You know, so I visited uh, during that time on earth and the, you know there was no google there was no facebook there wasn't they had encyclopedias and i knew those weren't right <laughs> yeah. Susan, what year did this happen i'm not a very good time person and i didn't write it down but i'm going to say 1989 so you were in this deep despair at the time that you left as you put it you were writing your farewell letters and then you've gone over there, you've had this astonishing experience of remembrance, part of which involved the 12 members of your soul group pouring yes. their love into you, recharging you as you described it because the Energizer Bunny was depleted. When you awoke, uh, and perhaps after the three days that you were still visiting that place, did you now think, I can go on, I'm not going to leave anymore? thanks to the love that they'd poured into you and thanks to your experience. What were your thoughts around that? Um, I'm going to tell you my feelings because, you know, I became a very feeling person and, you know, I had just come from unconditional love. So I loved everyone. I knew who they actually were. So reintegrating the, the experience, you know, you have to understand I'm very electric and I'm blowing everything up. Oh, in energy. terms of the electric, oh, yeah. electrical oh, appliances. You know, if I would have any kind of hissy fit, boom, you know, and I was like, wow, okay, no. So <laughs> calm that person down. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So also I had no fear. My fear was gone. So what I had to relearn, you know, because a lot of people come back from an amazing experience like near death and they're like, who am I now? You know, how do I, how do I know all of this and keep walking on this earth when we're still in, you know, the stone age, I can't tell anyone, you know? So, um, yes, I had to learn discernment. I had to learn to discern people's motives because I love them all. Yeah. It didn't matter what they did ever. And then I came back with that gift and, you know, that is a gift, but it's also a curse. You know, if you don't learn to use it wisely, you can't love everyone. Not everyone has good motives on earth right now. You know, they will, you know, and that's coming, you know, we're changing and we're shifting, but we're still in that time period where we have to be discerning and uh, self-protective. You know, and I had to learn all of those things of how to protect myself from giving away my energy to people, learning to say no, you know, learning to, learning, learning how to walk as a human on the earth. You know, and I didn't make all the right turns, you know, but there are no wrong turns. 
you know, I was processing, I was trying to learn how to do all of this. And I know now why is so that I did it all myself. Nobody instructed me. You know, I made it through to now where I'm sharing my experience, which is a huge, gigantic thing coming from this to that, you know, but I had to find the path and the journey that worked for me. So then if someone else has, you know, these same challenges in their life, I can uh, say, say to them, hey, you need to explore this way, that way, you know, because we're energy beings and, you know, the psychologists and, you know, the medicine on earth, um, I'm sorry, we're still in the stone age with that. That's all changing though, the exciting part. So I went to shamans, not then, but later on, and this is where my first shamanic experience, she, this was to heal and bring my children back that had left during my childhood and to get the memories back without them shattering me again. So to heal your inner child. To bring those shattered parts back because what happens is a part of you will run. Mm. You know, people don't understand we're, we're multidimensional or multifaceted. Mm. You know, if a three-year-old child does experience a trauma on earth, it can't handle it. It'll run and go to the void and hide and peace and understanding. So my, my, I went on my first shamanic experience and I was like, oh, wow. And when I woke up from it, I said to her, wow, this is only five minutes. And she goes, it's been three and a half hours. But the most amazing thing happened on the journey. I got to see it later on, not right then. I brought back my three-year-old child who had been, you know, she ran uh, from the whole experience because she didn't feel safe anymore. She felt like she had come into, come to earth and all these people were abusive and doing all these things. And this was her family, you know? So what are the other people going to do? So she ran to the void and she was a tap dancer. She was always trying to make everyone tap dance. Uh (laughs) She was tapping to make everyone happy, which became my mode of transportation throughout life. Tap dance to make everyone happy. Wow. So she wouldn't come back until I said, I won't do that anymore. It'll be safe with me. I can say no. That's so powerful, Susan. Wow. It is. It's so amazing, especially when you experience. People don't know what we're able to do. Mm. Well, I have, I have heard before of um, experiences of children who, well, adults who are recalling a childhood experience of trauma or abuse and this idea that they do let their spirit does leave their body and they go somewhere safe and they're kept from that. Sometimes they will share a story of a a light being, being with them and comforting them and mothering them throughout that. So, you know, then I brought my eight-year-old child back and um, my 12-year-old child back, but the eight-year-old came back not willingly and I I didn't really get the memory from it but the 12 year old was my sexual abuse and I had to face that you know all the ways around it you know so I went through all you know years of healing periods where these parts of me came back and and when they come back you actually feel like a three-year-old you feel like an eight-year-old You do. It's so amazing. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's about reintegration of all those, those yes. aspects of the, the self that shattered, yes. as you said, through the trauma. So we, we yes. shatter through trauma. 
Yes, we do. We shatter and then we forget and we're allowed to. And that's what I said. We have to use our forgetting power. We have to remember how to use our forgetting power so it works for us. You know, like now I just empty files in my mind and I forget them because I don't need them anymore. It's called letting go. I don't need it anymore. It's not important. Susan, one of the things that I know that, so we only touched on briefly early on, is the pre-birth planning that you you did see uh, as part of your experience. I, I believe you saw a ceremony of your pre-birth planning. Could you, I wonder if you could just tell us more about that. Okay. It was my soul group. I saw my soul group together and uh, we were all, you know, my soul group is very funny. We're, we're, we're you know, one of the highest um, vibrations is laughing. Laughing can cure so many things that people don't know. And, um, you know, the whole cosmic joke of, you know, my life to me when I was there was like, oh my God, what have I been afraid of? And I laughed uproariously. I mean, I was like hysterical, you know, about holy crap. You know, so I see my pre-birth playing session was with my soul group, 12 souls. We all have our arms, this is very important, around each other in a circle, because a circle of life is presented here. And a circle is very important throughout spiritual history, um, ancient wisdom. So we're in a circle and they're asking, you know, me, this is right before I'm coming, um, are you ready? Are you willing? Are you able? And all of a sudden I felt an, an arm encircle me and another very amazing being was joining the circle. And I looked over and it was Jesus. And I was like, my brother. That was the first thing. And I knew him completely. I was like, oh my God, Jesus is here. He touched my shoulder and I looked at all of them and Jesus. And I said, well, if I don't make it, you can save me. <laughs> and they did. I'm going to tell you the last part before jumping into my body. We all were laughing, you know, everyone had complete faith in, because these are also my creators. They created me, my soul group. So I was like stunned by, you know, all this information, you know, about my pre-birth planning. So as I'm about to leave, after they said, are you willing, are you ready, are you able? I said, use me. And we all did, we all said that. And I'm going to tell you, it was, everyone knew what they were getting into, but we all said, use me, please let me shine my light down there where this planet is out of sorts and they have war and poverty and, you know, inhumanity, use me. And so Susan, so just to clarify, making sure that I've got this clear in my head and for the audience as well, the scene that you've just described is when you were when you met your soul group and they after they healed you with the love you saw your all of your lives that you'd lived or were yes. living at the same time and as part of that experience you also witnessed your your pre-birth planning ceremony and that oh, is yeah. when jesus appeared as well 
Okay. I, I've seen, I saw it all. All of yeah. my information about me, my higher self, not me, Susan, but my higher self, which I'm a part of, I saw everything throughout the ages, throughout the galaxies, throughout the universes of what the parts of me were doing, you know, because the universe is experiencing itself through you. We are creators who are co-creating with our higher selves if we connect and we stay in tune. I wonder if you're able to share with us something of the, these lives that you saw or some that stand out to you. Yeah, tell us a bit more about who you saw yourself as. Okay, I only saw flashes mm. because I only saw flashes of the moments that were important during those lives so I could bring it back with me and use it now. Okay, it was the power of me, you know, here, we're going to give you this memory so that you can remember who you are in other lives, you know, you have the power within you. So in one life, um, I was a queen. And during this time period, um, the queens were landlords, you know, they weren't, they weren't like, you know, Queen Elizabeth, they were every, there were queens everywhere. But you, you were wealthy because the peasants weren't. So as a queen, um, this queen, I for, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but it starts with a P because I looked it up to see, oh my gosh, did this ever happen? Oh. <laughs> you know, because I'm doubting me. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're human. Yeah. And um, so um, this queen, she was, I'll say, sold in marriage, given away by her father to a king who, you know, needed the region to come together in marriage So for the dowry. Yes, so I was pretty much a slave who was sold, you know, because I was a woman. That's fascinating. You were a slave, yet you were a queen. It, but in the peasant's eyes, I had everything, but they mm. just didn't know. You know, they didn't know, no, I'm in the same prison as you. It's a nicer one, but <laughs> wow. it's still a prison. You're more free than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't love him at all. And he was very warmongerish and uh, he liked war. He enjoyed the pillages of having war because, you know, he was at that mindset, not a higher mindset. You know, I was like, oh my God, he's lost his way, you know. So, whatever, I had to endure his personality and he was hideous. You know, that's the only way to say it. But I fell in love with his man at arms, who I was totally in love with right away from seeing him because I could read his gentle heart and I knew he didn't want to do what he was doing, but he had to. You know, those times were different. You know, you'd be dead in a second if you didn't listen to what you're supposed to. <laughs> it's just the way it was. So we devised a plan um, because the king had started a new war where he was going to take um, someone else's region. And this would require that the peasants, uh, I'm going to call them that, were all divine beings and equal, you know, but I'm telling this story. So they were going to fight each other, the brothers and sisters, because they didn't have a choice. They were divided by land. This is the way it was during those times. They were going to kill each other for the king, for the kings. And I, I thought, I, I can't live through this. I cannot be a part of this. My whole soul was screaming, I don't care what happens to me. You know, I cannot watch this my whole life. 
and be okay with it. And so there was my soul urging to make a change in the atmosphere of the region. And the Manadars and, and I, we met one day because we never talked or anything or we would be killed. And we just happened to be together one day and he said, I have a plan, but you have to really be willing to do it. And I said, what's that? He had a plan to stop the war. And I was like, wow, what is it? He said, you're going to have to ride in on a horse and throw down your, you know, your coat of arms because you are the queen. They will listen to you. He said, I know you don't think you're anything here, but out there you are the queen. So I was like, oh my God, oh my God, they'll kill me. You know, he'll kill me. The king will for sure. But what choice did I have? I couldn't leave, live this life not doing something. And I said, absolutely, count me in. So as the war started, I got dressed up in all my royal garb that I had, you know, which it really didn't mean anything on the inside. But on the outside, it meant something. It was a symbol to the people that I was the queen of the region. And I was riding all in white and uh, I had a white horse and um, my hair was flowing and I was a big woman. I rode into the middle of the battle and the fighting and I took the sword and I threw it down into the ground and I said, there will be peace throughout this region. And they all stopped fighting. <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> wow, thank you for sharing that. I was really transported. I was really transported into your story. I wonder if you know what, I know that times such a tricky thing but if you have an idea what time frame that life was in and, and what country no i really don't i think it's like the 1780s that's what's coming to me right now i you know what i can look it up for you because i remember her name it's just a really long name that we don't say now it's amazing that you were only shown as you said earlier flashes of lives but that's very detailed what you've just shared with us yeah Flash yes. or not, it's very, very detailed, isn't it? Oh, I wrote them all down because I was like, you know, and as they came back to me, those parts of me were welcomed back into my body. So I call on her, you know, I call on her when I'm having a tough day and say, where's that part of you? Uh, that's, I love that idea of her still being, offering her support, you know, being there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, just like the children are parts of me, she's a part of me. And everything's happening in the moment of now. And that's the only part I ever got to see um, because it didn't matter what happened. All that mattered was that I did that. You know what I mean? My whole life revolved around doing that one thing. You know, just like right now, my life is revolving around sharing my experience. You know, I got to the point where I could, oh, she can get past herself you know and not be afraid of what the world thinks so it's important that she came back to me you know and others did too and so yeah so as you said that process has taken 30 years yes yeah give or take a couple of years for you to to be able to get to a point of sharing and I'm I'm so glad that you are sharing Susan oh thank you I wonder if you can just, um, because you said that you had this sense when you, when you saw all these lives, and I wanted to ask you, I guess you saw your, your current life as well and reviewed that as well as a part of yes. it? Yes, 
I did. And, but I have to tell you, this is really important. I didn't see anything from a perspective of any type of human emotion. There was no, I saw each person and me. It was, I was having a 360 degree view from Denny, you know, 10 different angles of why they did this. And it was according to their soul contract of what they came on earth to learn. So I was responding, you know, I was only seeing, oh, they came here to learn that. And that's why they acted like that. And that's why I acted like, do you see what I mean? Yes. You got all the perspectives. Can you give us, are you able to give us an example of an incident in your life that you saw from that perspective of your life review from these 10 different angles? Yes. Um, There was one incident where my kids were really small. I, I was questioning being a mother. I, I was questioning my whole being of being a mother. And I saw my kids swinging on, you know, a swing outside. And I, I had a thought that I was angry because they were, you know, they were dirty, you know, something very small, you know. And I was like, wow, look at that. I remember afterwards having that thought or that feeling, I beat myself up. You know, the Susan part of me was beating herself up going, how can you ever have thoughts like that? You know, you know how we are about ourselves. We slash ourselves and um, the whole scene was beautiful. And I saw it all again from a different perspective of how happy my kids were. My, My kids were super happy and everything that I was, trying to achieve for them everything my heart I had put my whole heart but I never gave myself a break ever you know and I I was trying to be so perfect that I was losing so you understood that from the perspective of your life review that yes that you weren't gentle enough with yourself and that your children oh, no. were happy. I was yeah. never I was never gentle enough with myself. Yeah. I never was. You know, and, and that crosses over into them, you know, being too strict sometimes. But I was just really beating myself up with it because, you know, my parents had done all these things and I was, you know, it was like the onset of me going, I can't be like that. Even if I had a bad thought, it was like, oh my God, what am I thinking? I found it also fascinating that within the pre-birth planning, you understood that we won't always fulfill the mission that we've accepted in the current life, that it may take lifetimes to make the right choices, but all of these lifetimes are happening right now. So could you talk more about that, Susan? And yeah, it's just a bit mind blowing and boggling. me too but you have to understand that on earth we have time you know we we have 24 hours and every day we can wake up and and try again every second is a second chance here to to do something new or to forgive and that's one thing that I haven't told you about in my healing was that after you know um, going through the processes of my healing I had to learn how to forgive even though I saw it I experienced it, you know, I saw I was in an all forgiving because there it's unconditional love at home. There's no conditions, but I personally on earth had the Susan part of me had to learn to forgive the parents that had done that. So that is a very important step. Forgiveness is allowing everything to be as it was and accepting 
accepting. I used to take down for many years, even after I came back, my book of sorrows. I call it the book of sorrows because every day we're writing our lives. You know, I was in the Akashic Records. I saw it. I stepped into my lives. And that's how you can re-experience. And you will be, re everyone will be reviewing their lives because it's a, a holy book of you. Every moment is recorded. Every thought, every action is recorded throughout time and eternity of you, your holy book. And you've been many things. You've done all these things. There really are no wrong turns. And there's no time, so if it takes this lifetime, that lifetime, this time, it, it doesn't matter. Time does, is not of the essence only on earth. We only have so much time here to forgive, to let go, and to uh, us all reach our highest potential, our highest potentiality by releasing those things that aren't important. Like I said in my review, that was not important. But I was making such a big deal about it. About the children I, being dirty. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's just a very small example. Mm. Um, but, I mean, imagine all the other things that I could tell you about. You know, all of the horribleness. It was never important. It, what mattered was what happened to me and who I became after. Because I, I came here, you know, I checked the all the boxes on the list before coming because I wanted I'm an experiencer and I wanted to experience it all you know so that I could later in my life help others to serve not just you know have a life that was surviving it was to take all of these things that happened through the last 30 years and get to this point of telling everyone let it go let it be, grow higher, grow stronger. Yeah, that's really, that's really quite beautiful and powerful. And what strikes me as you say that is that if you had not experienced all of those things that you had, you would not be in a position to be able to say to somebody who's gone through a terrible, terrible trauma, let it go. Right. Because no. that would not resonate with that person and that would no. come across you know, in a way that could be taken as offensive. But yes. you having gone through all of this, right. you, you have such authority, if that's the right word, or, or just... I don't really have any authority. Yeah, what um, is the... So, uh, you know, that what, person what listens. Because I... Let's put it this way. Because I, I've been through it, I'm able to put myself in your shoes. And, you know, at home, we put each other in each other's shoes all the time. There's no, there's no, you can't hide. You are who you are. You are what you did. Nobody cares. It's a loving place. It's where we all go, you know, afterwards. Here, look what you, here, look what you, oh, you just got back from earth. <laughs> Make some wrong turns. <laughs> Mistakes are the portals of discovery. I'm going to write that down right now. Say that again. <laughs> It's different. It's completely opposite. It's almost paradoxical. We're here to learn, to, to learn to trust, to learn to follow, you know, the universe's calling in our footsteps, to learn to trust our divinity, to reconnect to who we are in our totality, not just part of us, all of us. 
So, you know, so it, yeah, I'm the on. forerunner. Yeah. Because, you know, it didn't, it's not just me, you know, this was the whole universe. I saw <laughs> it's you too. <laughs> we all sing love. <laughs> so when we reconnect here on earth, we're able to bring that love here. So here's this thing about this time in earth's evolutionary period there's many people not just me there's many masters walking the earth and guess who they are you and me it's all of us we all came we all said use me we all said yes i i can do that and you know some people won't make it honor them honor them you know don't judge anyone because you haven't walked in their shoes you don't know what their divine plan is we're all unique you know we all came here with different gifts and and we all have a key to the great mystery we all do not just me i'm not special i'm not i'm not higher or lower we're all equal and that was jesus's message to me I didn't see him as anyone I needed to kneel to. I saw him equally. Your brother. And that was so important to me because I was learning all these amazing things again, remembering. Yeah. So. And I, I think another interesting thing, and there's so much obviously about your story that is so fascinating, Susan, but you had grown up in an environment of Catholicism, but your understanding yeah. of it as you experienced it was this does not align with the teachings that are in the church. And so yeah. I would imagine that, that that led to confusion or, or perhaps a rejection of, of the teachings. Um, no, um, no, because I never read the Bible. I refuse. Yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about it. However, passages will come back to me, you know, in my writings you know, that I'm hearing, because when I write, I write in mystic poetry and I'm hearing, they're using me. I am being used. That's why I said, use me. I'm being used. I'm the channel and they're using my life experience to explain divinity. That's so I'm being used. And we all are to a certain extent. We just don't remember it. Just to finish that last thread um, that I was thinking. So I just find it fascinating that that happened and, and yet you saw a figure that is you know revered in the catholic church that jesus and also barnabas yeah and i think that that's so interesting as well that you would see these figures even though as you say you'd never read a word of the bible exactly and that's part of the cosmic joke of it all yeah. because you know in my view or uh, there there was another instance where i was struck walking down the street in newport ritchie florida and there, there were signs on everyone's yard and i'm thinking oh gosh and it says jesus saves and and i always want to protect jesus <laughs> i'm always like listen you need to save yourself okay he works through you so i'm walking down the street and i'm frustrated about these signs it's a cloudy day this is so funny and the other sign that's on the you know every yard is protect our rights to guns wow. I saves so i'm in this mood this tizzy mood and you know and i'm like I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm so sorry. 
And all of a sudden, the sky opened up, and I heard this great laughter. And this is what I'm talking about, the Bible passages, because it's a joke. It's a company joke from them to me. He says, Susan, they know not what they do. And he started laughing. Laugh. I was like, Why am I so seriously? Because <laughs> I'm on earth, and you're not. How about that? <laughs> So, Susan, this was an experience that you had after your NDE, or was this quite recent? You were just walking down the street. Uh, This was uh, five years ago. Okay. Yeah, a lot of amazing things have happened in my life that, you know, people would consider otherworldly, you know, but to me, it's normal. Tell us a bit more about that ongoing connection with the divine beings that you met in your NDE that you have continued to have, such as the example that you just shared. Well, of course, I asked them all to be here with me today, keep my thoughts straight and um, so that I, I could be used in the most efficient way. <laughs> and they are. <laughs> I keep hearing thoughts flying in, you know, so they're all around me. I, I'm always in connection to the higher source, you know, which guides my words and thoughts and actions. But it didn't always, you know, I had to integrate it in to reconnect and walk the path of trust and walk the path of love, most importantly. So another time, my second shamanic experience, which was, I think it was four years ago, but I'm really not sure. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I go in and this is a different shaman and she works differently because we all work a different way. All shamans work, you know, in their own ways of sharing their wisdom or healing such as you. So we are all, all healers in our own specific way. So she, I go in and she puts on incense, a bunch of incense, which I can't smell anything or I start going crazy. Then she puts on the drum music, the shamanic drum music, which hearing drums will create a, you know, you can go into a trance state. Also dancing, you know, there's many forms to take you out of your body, not just one. So uh, I'm smelling this and it's too powerful. Even that was pushing me out of my body to get away from the smell and um, the smell and then the drums. And then all of a sudden I, I thought I heard her go out the door and someone else came in and I saw her and she said, grandmother. And I said, okay, wow, it's starting, you know, and she came over and she blew into my heart to give me back my memories. And that's how shamans work. And I felt the blow and all of a sudden, my soul group showed up around me in a circle and they were looking down over me and they were, um, we were all together on earth at the same time. Cause right now they're not here. They're working in the spirit world, you know, to help support me. Um, but we were all together in a lifetime and, and we were uh, an Indian tribe. They said to me in unison, thank you, dancing heart for coming to the earth at this time. Thank you for your courage and thank you for your bravery. And I just started bawling because they had just gifted me back my name. And as soon as they gifted me back my, my name from that lifetime with them, boom, all the memories of her started coming in. And it was just so amazing because every shamanic experience I had with another person, you know, journeying with me, my eyes changed after and I could see 
amazing colors in the skies that I know that we can't as humans see, but it was the same colors I saw at home. And that message that you received at that time also aligned with the message that you received in your NDE. Yes. From and the they were reminding me, but I was opening the portal through someone else. Now, since then, integrating my experiences come faster and faster. And I've been activated mm -hmm. to share my experience as I go through the, the years, more comes back and then I have more memories and then it starts i can wake up in the morning and i hear it like music and i'm like oh my god that's so beautiful and i'm just writing it down and people call that automatic writing but we all have that ability i want to uh, talk more about the mystic poetry that you write and that is um, how i first came across you susan the beautiful mystic poetry and that's just one of the the gifts i guess that you came back yes. with Tell us more about the beautiful mystic poetry and I'd love for you to even share some with us today. I would have to read it from, yeah. Um, yeah and I don't have that right in front of me. Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah. But what happened was I fell in love one time because love is always the driving force. Okay. It doesn't matter if it's a girlfriend, a dog, whatever makes you feel love all of a sudden your heart opens back up, you know, and these more things can come in just because you're just feeling joyous and, you know, and it doesn't even have to last. Do you know what I mean? But I fell in love with this person and all of a sudden I woke up one day and I started hearing these words and I was like, Oh my God. And I was writing love poems to him, which were, wow. I was like, Whoa, where is this coming from? divine source <laughs> I had not written my experience as of yet then and I had been waiting for the time period where I had gotten through all of the emotions and I wasn't taking down any more books of sorrows you know and I was mm -hmm. writing chapters of my life and moving forward without self-destruction going back I call it the cha-cha dance you know uh, and only going forward and um, wow, all these words started coming back in. And then when one day I woke up and um, I felt the urge, it was the urge you need to share now. And it was more like a command. The next day I was like, wow, where am I going to share it? You know, <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I woke up the next day and I'm in this group and I'm like, how did I get in this group? And it's the NDE group, <laughs> the near-death experience group. Uh, it's called Near-Death Experiences, and it's run by Ned, Ned Matina. And yeah. I was like, I knew it. And I was like, this is it. And I knew it. And I started reading through all the posts, because I used to have a group, a spiritual group that I ran. And he was just managing it, like, unbelievably well, you know. And, and he's just so open to everyone and kind and loving and, you know, treating each other with genuine care and concern, you know, in this group. And I was like, oh, wow, I can share it here. And it prompted me, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, the, the mystic poetry, my, my experience started coming out that way, being guided by higher force. And I was like, wow. And every time I would write it, you know, me too, I would look at it and I was like, I would cry. You know, I was like, felt like 
why? Why do I get this gift? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But still, it's me, but I'm just being used. Yeah, I just want to pick up on a couple of things that you said. One is this beautiful idea of the Book of Sorrows. I wonder if you can share more about where that comes from, the name and the concept. It's it's quite beautiful and sad. And also the idea that we're all healers and messengers. Yes, we are. All of us. We all have a key. We all have a key. We have a Bible inside of us. And that's why I never read the Bible. Because as a child, even five, I was questioning, why are they reading someone else's book when they have their own? I ne- it never made sense to me. So you're going to read this book and go live your life by it? No, no, you need to, you know, discover within yourself. That's why I always blew it off as a kid. But I lost my train of thought. So... <laughs> The Book of Sorrows. I asked you about the Book of Sorrows, where that idea came from. Yes. Well, I used to honestly see myself. I would tell myself when, you know, I just couldn't let go of what my parents had done to me. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, what they'd done to all of us, not just me, you know, because it ended up in this such negative energy that they could have left on such amazing terms. You know what I mean? loving all of us, bringing us all back together, but they didn't. And so I used to bring that book down and read it all the time about my book of sorrows and what they did to me. So it wasn't allowing me to forgive. It wasn't allowing me to let it go. Not forget, but I'll tell you over time, those memories get erased. They go someplace else into another chapter because you're done with it. You're completely done with going down that path ever again because they're renting space in your head and you're allowing it. You're taking it down, you know. So I had to realize that I'm the one that had the power to put Book of Sorrows back up on the shelf and never take it down again. And I had to learn how to forgive my parents. So I went back after 25 years and um, I helped them at the end of their life And from a distance, I wasn't always, you know, I couldn't be around them all the time because they were the same people, except for my mother had Alzheimer's at this point. And that's another reason that I went back. And, you know, Alzheimer's, people say it's such a horrible disease, but for her, it wasn't. For her, it was freedom from all the nastiness she had ever been. It was gone. Mm -hmm. She was happy and joyous all the time. I was like, oh, my God. It was a mercy. Yes, it was. It was. It gave her a chance to be happy at the end of her life. And I was so grateful, so grateful for that. To see this, who this person, because she was always funny when she, you know, wasn't unhappy, mean, sad, torturing, whatever. You know, she did have that happy side. So I had to see my parents as people. And I had to see them from the same light that I saw them while I was at home and and, and know that they are human, you know, they are souls on a divine journey, just as much as I was. And I need to unattach unattached from everything that had happened to me and know that it was going to serve a purpose later on uh, and let it go and let it be because it is what it was. There's no doubt about that, but I can set myself free from it. 
Okay. And Susan, I wonder if in your experience at home, perhaps while you were having the life review, did you see, did you have a chance to see the ripple effects of events and trauma that had perhaps happened to your parents that contributed to them becoming the people that they became? I think I did, but I didn't get that memory back. I wasn't allowed to have it because I had to walk that journey myself. Okay. And make choices because a lot of things happen that I won't go into here that I had to learn during that journey about my other siblings and where did I stand and letting my family go their own ways. And because I never really felt like I was a part of that family anyways, and I'm not disowning them. Mm. I'm just saying that we're all different souls and we were all on different paths. And, you know, they all handled that experience of growing up with my parents differently. And I had to honor that. Yes. Could, you, could you talk a little bit more about the idea that we are all messengers and all wounded healers? That's something you said to me in our first conversation and it really struck me. Yes, we are. Um, you know, so we, the Book of Sorrows has now what I've taken is the Book of Sorrows and I've turned that pain, it's alchemy of the highest kind, into my power. So I, over the years of forgiving and of doing all these things when my energy was going, you know, negatively, um, I could see where I was being self-destructive over, you know, whatever I was thinking. And I had to change my thoughts and come back to working towards getting out of the book of sorrows again so that I, I could close it for good and use it um, to help others who had been in the same exact situations and they're, you know, and now I'm doing that, you know, mm. now I'm able to, you know, when people come to me and they said, and you just wouldn't believe how my brothers and sisters are treating me. I'm like, oh yes, I get Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> I have walked in your shoes and I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter. It's a test. It's a test to you. It's a test to your character. Everything here is a test to who you will be in response to what's happening to you. That's what I learned, you know, in the human walk is that I had to stay myself no matter what anyone else did, no matter who did it. I had to be me in response. My divine self, all of me, all that I knew, that would be the integration. And would you say that this is perhaps something that we can all do, turn that pain oh, into power? Yes. That's the amazing thing. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm like the poster child. If I can do it, you can do it. And that's the whole message. That's what I'm saying. I'm, uh, people try to come to me and they want me to heal this person or save this person or do that. I can't. I don't have that power. My power is telling you that you can. I'm allowed to open the door. I'm allowed to hear your higher self guidance that will take you from going down a negative road or validating also the way that you're going, you know, just depending on the person that's in front of me or what they need to work on if they want to achieve a different kind of freedom from all of that, from the anger, the sadness, the pain, because we, uh, things, traumas, 
pain, fear, all of these negative emotions of earth, we're, we're not supposed to carry those. We're supposed to release them that so we release our ancestors. You know, we release our ancestors. We release the people that are coming after us. Everyone is free from that pain. Release it. Oh, Susan, you've just touched on something that has absolutely uh, grasped my attention in recent months, the idea of intergenerational trauma and the idea that in a quantum way, when we heal, we heal, as you've just said, those who've come before and those who come after. I just find yes. the, the idea so fascinating. And my reading about intergener intergenerational trauma, just it strikes me that it is the kind of a hidden World War Three, the ripple effects of trauma in our lives. Yes. And, you know, at this time period, I'm going to say Earth 2020, because I have seen the future where we are at peace and we are handling ourselves differently and we are remembering love and we can go back and forth freely. You know, that's on its way. But it takes all of us together to heal ourselves because, you know, I'm not saving the world like I thought when I got back. <laughs> I need you. I need her. I need him. I need everybody because as soon as the two, you know, all of the healers who have been wounded by their childhoods or by other people or other events or whatever, it doesn't matter. There's no measure of pain. We all have had it. We can all measure it ourselves. Once that's healed within us, we all rise higher. When someone else is healed, like they won't show you on the news, oh, that person got healed from their traumatic trauma today. Look, the sky's getting color. Yeah, we don't see <laughs> no. that on the news, you're right. We should, we should though. <laughs> okay, we need to start a channel. <laughs> yes, I was about to say, you stole the words right out of my mouth. Okay, I'm writing that down. Start channel with Susan. I'm literally writing it down. <laughs> You touched on the current times, and I guess I'd like to ask you about the, the coronavirus and the way that this has changed our entire globe. And you think about it, what could have possibly created such an immense change? Who could have fathomed that the entire world would stop? I wonder what your thoughts are on the current yeah, situation. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Here's my thoughts. There are no coincidences. There are no accidents. The universal mind is so much more intelligent than that. Mm. So much more. And people need to start giving it some credit. Because <laughs> we all stopped. And the skies got cleared. Animals came back. Come on, people. I don't care what the politicians are saying. Who cares? It's negative energy. And that's, you know, you want to dive into that. You're going to stay stuck in that. Mm -hmm. But look what else is happening. Because now I had an interesting question on uh, Facebook uh, that I answered the other day. They said, what is money to you? And one person said, oh, money doesn't mean anything. And I said, no, I know what money is. Money is an energy. It's a currency. If, if you pay attention, the way that someone handles money, whether it's haphazardly or they take good care of money, you know, they respect it and where they buy or if they're excessive or if they're, you, you know, just buying things to fill themselves up, you know, money is a currency. So it's also teaching us that in the future, you know, and the language that money has spoken until now 
is that I'm more important than you because I have more money. Uh, I'm wealthy and you're not, but money is about to speak another language because many are realizing during this time, what am I doing? What am I thinking? Why did I think I, I needed to run like a maniac and work 90 hours a week? And why did I think that? And the universe stopped the whole world and we get to see animals. And do you see what I mean? I do. And then we all start progressing forward to where we know that what I'm going to say the book of revelations and a lot of people get freaked out about that, but you know, the Bible is not important to me. So in, in a sense it is, but not in that sense, the book of revelations is a much more beautiful thing than we were ever told. It, it, you know, it was told in fear this, fear that, you know, everything's going to blow up. Well, no, no, no. What's happening is the veil is being lifted on what's been happening for generations and generations and generations. It's the real deal is coming forward and people are shocked. What? I've been thinking, I've been screwed by the politicians. <laughs> I've been screwed by <laughs> so it's the book of Revelation is that things that have been happening forever are being revealed. Now, now look, here's the real truth. You know, and that's for everybody to pass through that door when they're ready to see what the truth is. And as we near the end, thank you for that, Susan. As we near the end of our conversation, I just want to ask you a general question about the near-death experience and the phenomenon of, in the last few decades, there's been such a flood of them. And of, of course, the internet, having the internet has enabled us to share our experiences and for others to listen. And do you believe that is part of the greater plan for us to, what, uh, I guess I'm asking, what role do NDEs play in us remembering our true selves? We're messengers. But, you know, you have to understand, excuse me, not all NDEs came back and then they know how to move forward or they're urgently sharing their story. They're still trying to become human too, you know, integrate the experience. But a lot of them come back with, you know, very distinctive NDEs to where they're showing unconditional love. And that's the main key in any NDE. The unconditional love was so overwhelming that you don't, you know, it's been hard for me to be here. It's been hard for me to walk on the earth because it's not here yet. You know, we still have judgment. We still have, you know... We're still moving forward in a pivotal time in the Earth's history. And we all choose to be here at this time. This is the most amazing thing, to be part of it and to be a witness to the change. It's so amazing to me that, you know, we're here. And I'll tell you another thing that I don't normally talk about. Most of us that are here now, the wounded healers, we're here when Jesus came to Earth the first time. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. Yes, we were here, and that's why we're back. No matter what the other reasons are for self-growth, this, that, helping mankind, whatever, we wanted to be here now. Because Jesus is coming in a different form, and it's me and you. Mm. We are here to finally walk the earth and use what the master teacher Jesus taught us. So the second coming is me and you remembering unconditional love yes and you know i'm very indian 
uh, shamanic oriented because I've had all of these and parts of me came back. Um, but there's a Hopi prophecy. And at the end of the Hopi prophecy, um, this rings so true through everything. We are the ones we've been waiting for. That line is beautiful. Can you just say that again? We are the ones we've been waiting for. And that's the Hopi prophecy. Yes. A river is flowing very fast. Push off from the shore. Keep your head above water. When you reach the other side, clasp your hands together. See who's with you in celebration. For this is a very important time in Earth's history. It's a time to celebrate all that is happening. The minute that you take anything, especially yourself seriously, it'll all quit. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Thank you for sharing the, the prophecy in its longer form. Thank you. I'm going to look that up. That's, and I love yeah, the humor. I probably didn't say all the words right because it says, know your garden, know where your water is. Okay. They're giving you instructions. You know, know your family. Everyone is family. And I love I, that it stresses that we're not to take ourselves too seriously. No. And throughout our conversation, you've got such a beautiful, joyous energy and you laugh. And um, I love that because it really highlights the importance of humour in our lives. And the divine is certainly funny, as you pointed out. Right. It, it's so funny. And not only that, but the most important thing, and, you know, this is me walking my Susan Earth journey right now. People have said, oh, you, you know, you're going to sell a million copies of your book. You're going to be a TV star. I said, no, I don't want any of that. <laughs> Too serious for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, what is vital to you at the moment? What are you dedicating your time and passion to right now? Freelancing for the universe. <laughs> Freelancing for the universe. That's the best. That's my biggest mission and purpose is to spread the word. But I also have to walk the path because what, you, you can't do one without the other. Do you know what I mean? I have yeah. to live my life in congruency with what I'm saying. You know, so I practice these things every day because as a human being, I, I'm just like you. Self-mastery is a day-to-day -day thing, you know always responding in love. That's not easy when you have horrible people coming at you, you know? So, you know, it's developing your own response to adversity that's happening right now because there will be more. Do you have any tips on how somebody who's listening, who is trying to respond with love and trying to walk the path, but is faced with a horrible person, as you say, how could they, they dig deep to find the, the love response within them. Well, I'll tell you what I did. Yeah. You know, because uh, everyone's going to have their own unique way. Um, but first of all, that don't take anything seriously thing, you know, and the other thing about seeing everyone as a divine soul on their own journey, having their own humanness, going through their own lessons in life you know, you have to um, unattach yourself from other people's opinions or what, you know, their anger or whatever. And if it's right in your face, you know, there's a huge sign because it's very triggering to anyone. Step away, step away. But especially someone who has 
you know, I don't define myself by anything like PTSD, but have I experienced it? Yes, because, you know, that was very traumatic. You know, if I hear very loud noises, it triggers me. We all have that in our humanness. And to step away, that's a huge sign. Step away until you can get calm and don't allow, allow is the word, anyone to take your joy. No matter what they're doing, that's the no matter who and no matter what may happen. And step away. And in one instance, I did have someone snarling and coming after me in a group of people. And, and I was like, wow, you know. <laughs> so I, I'm watching it as an observer rather than getting emotionally involved in the energy, you know, uh, and I'm just watching going, whoa, this is a pretty amazing, you know, is this a movie? It felt like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what do I do? Because I couldn't step away. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to get involved in that. And I wanted to remain me. So I stood up and I said, oh my gosh, this has been such an informative meeting. I need to go check on cakes in the oven. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're a chick. Thank so that's you. And I, that's what I did. I thanked him. I just said, I just said, thank you for allowing me to go. I was running. So it's about shifting that energy, kind of responding in the opposite way that life or our culture instructs us to respond. You know, we're not to, to return hate for hate. Well, I wasn't going to allow him to take my joy, plain yeah. and simple. Love you it. know, that was the biggest challenge for me. And, you know, I don't care who you're being. That's who you are. What's got, what I'll be looking back on, because I've seen my Akashic Records, is how I responded. You know, and that's what it taught me every day. You're writing your book, whether you pick up a pen or not. You are. So what do you want to see? So that's all I could think, you know, my, of course I had my higher guidance come in and what do you want to see in your book? And I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm running <laughs> something in the oven. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> advice. I'm gonna, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. But you yeah. know, I still had a show to put on after that. Now I wasn't going to let him ruin it. You know what I mean? So Susan, if people would like to know more about your work and your mystic poetry, tell us how can, how can they find you? Um, right now, I'm keeping it very simple because I just came out of a remote area and I'm just, you know, it's like I came out of a cave and a technology and I'm learning it all really fast right now. <laughs> so you have to bear with me. But I, I really just work through my Facebook page right now and um, just keeping it simple until I learn the other modalities. And I use Zoom and uh, I use Facebook Messenger and uh, either phone or video. It doesn't matter to me whatever the person feels comfortable with. But I'm able to connect with the person through a regular conversation. And then all of a sudden, higher self-guidance comes in, which is very honest and truthful and loving, but very strong, much like the voice that said, everything is as it should be. You know, so it comes through very strong to me. And it's you talking to you. So you will not allow you to lie. Okay. You will see the truth to you in a very loving and beautiful way. And, 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 and when I'm involved in these sessions, I'm just like, wow, you know, this is amazing what's happening right now. 
so I, I get the honor. I'm so honored that people allow me, you know, because it's with their permission. I don't just go read everyone's Akashic records, you know, and I wouldn't want to. It's not my story. So they, you know, we work through soul growth issues of um, whether they're loving themselves, if they're taking care, you know, it's a soul growth to push you to your dreams, to push you to your stars and to push you to your highest potentiality while you're embodied. So if people search Susan Redwine on Facebook, you have yes, a public... There's yep. two Susan Redwines, and the other one is a doctor. Yeah, and maybe three, but that's it, because I've searched my own name, and it's not a... Uh, and that really is my name. It's um, a wonderful name. I love it. It's a rock star name. Yes. <laughs> well, my ex is a rock star. <laughs> Oh, okay. Now we're getting into it. I'm like keeping the name. <laughs> Wonderful. And Susan, I just, I'm so thrilled that you've spent this time with us today. I'm sure, you know, our listeners must be, hopefully if they're in a position where they've got pen and paper or can record this, there's so much wisdom you've shared with us today. I wonder any final thoughts that you'd like to leave us with or the most uh, salient message of your NDE? Yes, I'm going to say this. Love comes in very, there's so many forms that love comes in. But that was the biggest message upon returning to my body and ever since. And it's one I never forgot, you know, even though parts of me forgot parts of the experience because I had to, you know, to be a human being again and to, you know, get my files updated in my head. Love is the answer in all ways and always love is the answer so if you have a question of deep concern within you don't ask what jesus did ask what would love do thank you so much susan it's just been an absolute joy to have you and i can't wait to to keep in touch with you to keep the conversation yes. going and hear more about your book in due course as well Thank you, ma'am. And I really appreciate everything you've done, Karina. I really do. <sighs> Thank you. And we have a, a show to do. <laughs> yes, our channel. We've got to start our channel. Okay. <laughs> Give me a minute, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.